Good morning, good morning. Today is the 3rd of August. It's Thursday. It's currently 75 degrees here in Stockbridge. Looks like 91's the high for today and chance of thunder showers this afternoon and evening on in tomorrow, on into tomorrow. And let's uh, pray and we'll get into this lesson. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, just that another opportunity last night to uh, serve these kids, Lord, to teach them, to grow them, uh, to come to know you better and better, Lord. And so, Father, we just thank you for that opportunity. And Lord, we just ask that you continue to bring them out. Um, Lord, we ask your blessing upon them. They all started school yesterday and this week, today, some of them. And uh, Father, we just ask your blessing upon them, Lord, that they would uh, be excited about school. I know school can be a uh, uh, a downer uh, for some, Lord, some uh, love it, but uh, for those that don't, Lord, we just ask that you would just encourage them, that you would help them to do well, uh, to uh, study hard, Lord, give them discernment if the uh, school is teaching them any uh, uh, bogus information, Lord, we just ask that you would just help them to Take that stuff with a grain of salt. I don't know how much of that going on here in Georgia, uh, like it is in other places. But uh, Lord, we just ask for your protection on these kids, that you would uh, just help them to uh, reflect you and what they're learning about you to their classmates and uh, and also to their parents, Lord, their families. So, Father, we just ask for your um, blessing right now as we get into this lesson. Uh, Lord, open our eyes and our hearts. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name. Okay, still more on God's promises and God's law. And we have Romans chapter 4 again. Great chapter. Titled, Abraham Justified by Faith. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessings of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Praise God. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. 
The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it for it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs. Faith is null and promise is void, for the law brings wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith, but when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also, for it it will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Still more on God's promises and God's law. Therefore, it is of faith that we might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. The Lord desires that we should have a great certainty concerning His promises. Our God does not want us to be plagued with apprehension concerning the fulfillment of His promises. In all that God has promised, He intends for us to stand in bedrock assurance that the promise might be sure to all the seed. This certainty is based upon two sets of related truths, one being his promises and his grace, the other between his grace and faith in him. The first set of related truths mentioned here that makes God's promises sure is his promises and his grace. Living by God's promises allows us to walk in all the all-sufficient grace of God, the heavenly dynamic Behind the promises of God is the grace of God. If God's promises are to be sure in our lives, we must relate to them according to grace. If we are counted on any other hope besides grace to make God's promises certain, we will never stand in full assurance of the promises being fulfilled. If God's promises depend upon our performance, we will never walk in full assurance. If His promises depend upon the faithfulness or ability of others, full assurance will always elude us. The fulfillment of God's promises depends wholly on His grace. Now, how do we treat God's promises in a way that does not disregard the grace that is behind them? 
The only acceptable response is faith. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Every other response creates a discord with grace. This was the greatest mistake that Abraham and Sarah made early in their pilgrimage with the Lord, when they relied upon their own ingenuity using the slave girl, Hagar, to try to supply the son God had promised. They were operating outside the realm of dependence upon God. Basically, they were trusting in themselves. Behind all the promises of the gospel is the promised Savior who would die on the cross for our sins. If we attempt to base God's saving work on our performance, we are setting aside God's grace. We are inferring that His death for us was unnecessary or inadequate. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain, Galatians 2.21. Father God, what a marvelous plan you have for your children. You lay out your purposes by means of great promises. You put your wondrous grace behind every promise. Then you ask us to place our faith in you to graciously fulfill all that you've committed to do. Lord, what assurance this gives us concerning your promises. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You guys have an amazing day. May the Lord bless you greatly.